The Shepherd in the Shrink podcast can only happen with your support. Please go to patreon.com, search for the Shepherd in the Shrink podcast and find all kinds of cool stuff that we have in store for you. A lot of people think about Jesus and they say he sheds light on God and who God is and what God looks like. But here's the other thing that Jesus does. He sheds light and shows us what it means to be truly human. You can build the heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit because a lion's natural state is one of safety through courage, strength, and power. Hi, I'm the shepherd and pastor, Dr. Matt Hook. And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets psychology or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. Hey, Matt. Hey, Marty. I know it's been a crazy time for you. How are you today? Today, doing um best I can. Just yeah. it's all good stuff mostly mm. that's mixing with some of the bad stuff. And so it's really challenging me in Lent, but good. Well, yeah. I, I'll take the challenge. Yeah. You know, that's life, isn't it? Yeah. It, it's never all one thing or all another. And it's it, how we react to it. It's the old Chuck Swindoll quote. Life is 10% what happens to us and 90% our attitude. Toward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who's Chuck Swindell? A great preacher and oh. president of a seminary and a great author. Really had a big influence on my faith in the 1980s, back in the 1900s. He's very funny also. And, and that's good because that relates to what we want to talk about. Some people, life's given to all of us and some people find joy in being themselves and then other people just plain can't stand themselves. Yeah. And we, and try to change, 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 adjust themselves in whatever ways. And let me ask you a question, personal question. Do you enjoy yourself? Yeah. hundred percent of the time. No, but I know why when I don't. So fatigue, you know, that that's a factor. Time urgency is my worst. So if I'm behind that bothers me a lot. So those two things will interrupt my joy. There was a time when I didn't like myself at all. Like I hated myself. What was going on? Well, I've made a list of reasons why people fall into that kind of stuff. And, and many of those things on, on this list happened to me too, or didn't happen to me. But it's one of the saddest parts of my job is that you'll see these people who come in. I see these people who come in and they're very, they're just wonderful people. They really are. They're sweet they want to be kind to others. And, and so they are, sometimes they're too nice and they get taken advantage of and things like that. So they're the good guys in the world, except they are horrible to themselves. They are absolutely horrible to themselves. The amount of this self-critic that can live inside us can be wicked. Yeah, tyrannical. And, and one in four people have a real violent self-hatred. Mm -hmm. they, they feel like they have no real claim to exist. Yeah. That they don't deserve or they feel like they're burdens to other people or phonies. They're getting what they deserve in terms of terrible relationships or, you know, bad jobs or something like that. When something good happens, they feel that it's luck mm -hmm. had nothing to do with them. They often sabotage themselves. Yeah. Are there psychological terms that try to wrap themselves around people who have this self-loathing? Well, we, a variety? well, we see it in depression. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes we see it in anxiety because anxiety is fear usually of other people. 
And by that, I mean being judged by other people, being embarrassed by other people. And so they don't want to participate in those. Yeah, a lot of the, the, the disorders we treat. Well, if you think about it, though, if you're sick, like if you have the flu, you're not finding a lot of joy in yourself. Not till you recover, right? Right, right. And it's the same with mental illness or mm-hmm. whether, you know, some temporary blue funk kind of a thing mm-hmm. or something more severe. Yeah. And these things have spiritual roots and antecedents. Mm-hmm. I think it's a spiritual problem, really. It's a, such a meshing, as you and I have talked more and more between the spiritual problems in our world that explain so well what we face, what we mm-hmm. confront, what gets inside of us. And you add to that the learning and the study of psychology, and it's a potent combination of help that is yes. available. The fact that you said we see a lot of this in people that we treat, meaning treatment is available. Yes, treatment is available. I'm, I'm bold, spiritual too. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Hey, give me your list. Okay. We'll, we'll what interferes but, but I, us I, enjoying I, ourselves? But I am curious. Before we start that, what did you go through periods where you weren't sure? You just weren't sure if you liked yourself. Oh, sure. I've I've had that voice beating myself up. I'll tell you a story after you share your list that was... A okay, I don't want to just burn through around. the... Yeah, but let's not burn through the list because it'll just be a list. I want to I want to hear what you have to say about these things. Sure. So okay. I don't want to just... You know. Okay, so a difficult childhood often brings out a lot of self-loathing and self-hatred. And because what happens is we learn to love ourselves the way that we were loved by important people. So if you have your parents who were neglectful, for instance, because neglect really, you know, that that's that's the absence of love. There's plenty of information in neglect that the kid picks up on. You know, I'm not important enough for that. He doesn't care what I have to say. You're not interested in me. Verbal abuse, like the name calling on a child, that will get inside and really, and then they we're looking to our parents to determine whether or not we're worthy of love. Am I a good one? You created me. Okay. Am I a good one? Did you create a good one or am I a bad one? That's sort of the way that it goes with that. There's a lot of vulnerabilities for little children. It's why whenever somebody comes to our church and they've got a little kid, I get down eye to eye with the kid. Because mm-hmm. I, you... yeah, I, I want them to know that they are that important and that they are an unrepeatable miracle of God. That's so good. Because if you think about it, you know, you're, you're four years old and you're getting mostly negative messages about your shortcomings, the mistakes that you're making, you know, it's quickly going to be internalized. I'm an idiot. I'm a dummy. I'm a, or God knows what else. Right. So we have to be very, very gentle with people, all people, you know, but if you, if you don't get enough of that positive feedback, letting you know, Hey, people seem to want to spend time with me, seem to like me. So the second thing on the list, so, so it could happen through childhood in families, but also in school. Like, I'll never understand the hierarchy that I saw in the schools. Like, there were some of these girls that were like, nobody thought twice about. And then they grow up and they're just beauties or people that you thought were dummies like me end up going and getting going on into higher education. Nobody could believe it. Right. But with these weird and some kids were just targeted. And I don't really know why that it just it traveled with them. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So, so these new kids come from the school because we go to junior high and then immediately people are t- telling, oh, that's a, and I couldn't find anything wrong with, with, with them really. They just right. look like normal kids to me, but they were targeted. So that, that can cause it. That gets internalized too. Can I, can I jump in here? Please. Two things. One was sometimes the messaging can come from within yourself, even as a little, little kid. I, about three years ago, was on this guy's retreat with this guy's group that I'm a part of, 
and we were up north, northern Michigan. And all of a sudden, I was brought back to a memory I had not thought about in decades. When I was three or probably four, I was riding my big wheel and there was another kid. I remember he had red hair and I remember we were racing and I was going as fast as I could and Mm -hmm. he beat me. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I'm not as good as other guys. You generalized that. You, I did. I were, you, were you shocked? Were you surprised? Because at that, at that age, we're really egocentric and we expect to, like I got some PF flyers, mm-hmm. those shoes. And I thought I was going to be the fastest kid. And I was, I was um, stunned when I wasn't. Yeah. It made me run any faster. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. It was this little lie uh-huh. that you are not quite as good as other guys or as other kids or whatever it is. And I didn't pay that much attention to it, but I realized that in this moment, three years ago, God was taking me back 45 years to when I was four years old. Yeah. This is when it began. Yeah. And saying, this is where that could have started. And one of the guys in the group said, okay, we need, you need to, to pray and you need to confess and ask forgiveness for believing this lie about yourself. Mm. It was a really potent moment. And so sometimes, you know, a conversation like one, the one we're having can bring up something. But, like that. but was it a lie? Because he was faster. He had red hair. Probably like worked like fire. <laughs> that was probably, I don't think he like was a jerk about it. I think he just beat me or well, I, don't, I don't even know if it was a real race or if I just mm-hmm. thought I want to pass him and I couldn't. The and big I, lie I, was that when you overgeneralize it. Yeah. And say, you know, I'm not as fast as most guys or something mm-hmm. like that based off of that. And there was a belittling in it. There was. You know, there there was probably like a whoa, this guy's faster. And then I thought, what's wrong with me? Gotcha. Yeah. And this voice inside me was saying, What's wrong with you? You are yeah. not good enough. You don't measure up to these other mm-hmm. boys. You're gonna have well, to find something else. And so it was kind of a self-worth kind of a thing. And I realized, you know, that that was a lie that somehow I nursed, or if you want to talk in spiritual terms, whether you believe in Satan or not, it was like the devil sort of just Mm -hmm. said, you're going to keep pricking me with that one. Mm -hmm. There are a bunch of lies in that if you think about it, you know what I mean? Deceptions, let's say. Okay. So for Mm -hmm. one thing that it even matters big wheel speed. It matters to a four-year-old, but it does. But, but you know, for the sake of, 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 you know, illustration, I mean, that's what adults do. We think that so many worldly things are important and that we can't enjoy the achievement. Like, hey, you, you're, I didn't know you were that fast. Wow. I thought, because I'm pretty fast. You're even faster. Cool. Or how did you do that? What, how are you doing that? Are you, you know what I mean? And learning something and being engaged instead, that's on my list too. Comparing to others. Oh boy. The self-conscious emotions, they're, they're, they're painful. They don't seem so evil, but boy, they create a whole lot of hurt. They they sure do because there's a little bit of contempt, just Mm -hmm. a little bit of contempt for the other person. If they're having some good fortune or they've developed a skill and I'm anything but happy for them, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe appreciative of them, then that's a spiritual problem, right? They don't take oh. anything from me by being better looking or faster or whatever. They take nothing from me. Right. They're, they're, they're just something good in the world. Right. And instead of enjoying the gift God gave them, we end up with the root of bitterness. Yeah. He sets in and it's like yeah. this root and it grows into, turns into a giant man eating plant. 
especially around dating and and girls mm-hmm. when you're in the courtship period of your life and things like that because you know you you want to see how you measure up <laughs> somebody needs to tell us about taste you know because no one says that because we assume oh the, the the best one gets the best one and it's not always that way because there's a, a wide variety of taste that people have you know what i mean yeah there is no best one no it's what you like you know what i mean and, and, and even that can change. Like my taste has changed. I'm into bald chicks now. Because <laughs> <laughs> Kathy has chemotherapy on the air. I love that. I hope she, I hope she appreciates that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm a man made for love, Matt. So certainly she will. Enough about me. <laughs> right. Right. Let's get well, back on. I know. And you know what this is really doing though? A lot of this stuff messes up. When you, when I say, are you a person who enjoys yourself? Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of us think, oh, that means I'm well entertained. I'm enjoying myself, but mm-hmm. I'm literally talking about you are enjoying the gift that God has given you, the gifts that God has given you, the person God has made you, how he has brought you this far in your life. Do you enjoy that? Can you get a kick out of yourself? Can you get a kick out of how God has come alongside you? When you were in the mud, when you were in the mire, when you were believing the lies, that to me can almost make me laugh and get a kick out of what's going on. God gave me quirky gifts and I used to beat myself up for it. I used to be, why well, you can't really beat up God. I used to be really angry at God. You know, why did you make me this way? Well, they're not obvious to me though. Unless they're like quirky gifts. Yeah, yeah, but what's, I don't see anything that's obvious to me that you would struggle with. Well, the fact that I just am wired to love old jazz music and big band ever since I was four, five, six, seven years old. My uncle gave me a tape of the Andrew sisters, the singing sisters group, the trio from like mm-hmm. World War II era. Yeah. I probably listened to that thing 10,000 times. I could sing every single part, you mm-hmm. know, as a little kid, my voice hadn't changed and I still can sing every single part down the octave. Patty, Maxine and Laverne, the Andrew sisters from from that, that, that just clicked with me that, okay. old, but what I remember That's bad about my that, older though. brother and I was good at music. I could play the piano. I understood that I was doing vocal arrangements in junior high, writing them out, but they were all of old songs. And I can remember one time playing a song on the piano for one of my brother's friends, but it was a song that he hadn't heard. It was just something from my piano lessons, you know, and, and he said, why can't you play anything that we know or that we like? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, you know, and I was probably fourth grade or mm-hmm. fifth grade. And I thought the gift that I have been given is not very practical for entertaining high school guys that are cool friends of my brother's. Yeah. And it, he wasn't saying anything mean. He was saying, you need to learn some new songs kind of thing. He didn't mean anything uh-huh. malignant by it, but I was believing that about my not good enough my stuff isn't good enough i thought it was great but i'm out of date as a fourth grader yeah which see this is this again we don't know if something's good or bad because that's how you get a good education and write stuff that sounds fresh when it's contemporary you know you know i I was like you i I had a bunch of old records good ones bad ones i went through in college i went through that stage even where i was like really into the melodic jazz you know fats waller Fletcher oh, yeah. Henderson swing. I was really into a lot. Um, yeah. Some of my favorite guitar players are jazz guitar players from that era, though. Right. 
Right. And it's rare. It's out of date now, thanks to YouTube and thanks to so much. People are sort of rediscovering that. Mm -hmm. But when you're growing up and there's nobody to bounce things off of like this, um, you start believing these lies about yourself. Yeah. And that's because social support is so important. And if we think that it's in jeopardy, then we're going to stress out a lot. Mm -hmm. People do all sorts of things to ensure that they have that that capital, right? I have people around me. That's a, that's a real thing. Now, we don't need adoration from people. You know, and some people you don't even want around you because right. they're going to take more than they give. Right. But that's that's what that is. That environment, and especially in school, where something's agreed upon as being good and, uh, you know, and all this other stuff that gets... You ever see this like in college? This was, I saw this a few times. Here comes this freshman, you know, I'm an upperclassman and here comes this freshman and um, he looks just like he did when he graduated, short hair, you know, preppy, whatever. By the end of that first class, he's got purple hair and earring and, you know, <laughs> right, <laughs> made right. all these changes because he gets to break out of that sort of thing, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's so much on externals. Yeah. So what I find about joy is, and you tell me about this. So I, I hesitated when you asked me that question, you know, do, do I enjoy myself? Right. Because it's a, it's a strange thing to ask because most joy comes for me, comes from making other people happy, mm-hmm. um, being relevant to other people, you know, helping them in some way, seeing other people's enjoyment. Now the other things are like hobbies and stuff like that, but like, do I like enjoy, you know, Marty Fletcher? I just, it's weird. It's a weird thought. Like I'm grateful if we're talking about gratitude, I'm very grateful for, for what I've, what I've been giving and things like that. But like me as an entity, I have a hard time putting that into any kind of form that, you know. And that's why I wanted to ask you the question because I don't know, you know, you're, you have an intensity that is a real strength and a real gift, but it also can come with the challenge. The dark side of it would be, I'm not doing enough or I haven't accomplished enough or something like that, which leads me to this breakthrough that I had. And this was during my doctoral program. Mm -hmm. I was on a retreat. I got a doctorate in ministry, a demon degree. And you're a demon? Demon. You can't be on this show. I know. Sorry. Too late. I'm here. And so this demon program, we were on a retreat and it was with spouses for those of us who are married. And there was one time where at the end of a session, each of us was invited to get prayed over. If you have never been prayed over by a group of people, if you've never been prayed over by a group of people, I hope that you allow that. I hope that you open yourself up to that in your life. There is something so potent about sitting in a chair and people around you praying for you, you know, with the laying on of hands Mm -hmm. or what I shared was what I wanted prayer for. And I wanted prayer to be a better dad. I wanted prayer to be a more effective scholar. I wanted a prayer to be a better pastor. And the fact is, I've been incredibly blessed throughout my life. I have uh, parents who did an amazing job in loving me and helping me enjoy myself. They really built me up. And I'm still close with my dad and with my mom. And they, I really just commend them and thank them for how they did things with for me and for my siblings. But with all that and with the opportunities I'd been given in ministry and good churches to be connected with, I remember saying to this group, I would like prayer to do better and to be better, which sounds like a good prayer. And 
And I said, because I feel like I should be further along. I should have written a book by now. I should have a bigger church by now. I shouldn't be struggling the way I am right now. And I would love prayer for that was kind of what I had asked for. And so they gathered around in this one woman whose name is Jill Brew, and she is a Christian counselor, interestingly enough. She prayed and a couple other people prayed, but Jill Brew said this, Lord, help Matt realize that that voice is not your voice. And I, w- I was like, had my head bowed and my eyes were closed, but I wanted to like look around and say, wait, what? Because right. you know, I was thinking God was saying, yeah, I blessed you so much. You can ask for more. You know, there's a lot of American preachers who say that, you know, God wants to bless you, which can turn into what we call the health and wealth gospel. It's a false yes. gospel. Yes. And, and is there a kernel of truth in it? Yes. But when you make that the main part of the gospel of following Jesus and the message of Christ, that's what gets us off track. So she prayed, Lord, help Matt realize that that voice is not your voice. The voice that says, well, you ought to be further along. You ought to not be struggling. You ought to have a bigger church. You ought to have written books by now. You ought to have made a bigger difference in the world right now. And I don't know if there's somebody here who struggles with that or who regularly subjects himself to that voice. But what I realized was indeed like Jill Brew was praying, that voice was not God's Mm -hmm. voice because there was a belittling element to it. And sort of like when I was four years old, the belittling side that said, oh, you're not as good. Yeah, right. You're never going to be, you're never going to catch them. There's something wrong with you. And so what happened in that moment is I realized, okay, that voice is not God's voice. And that means if I'm hearing something, if I'm listening to some idea in my head that is not of God, that means it's from somewhere else. Yeah. And that means I don't want anything to do with, to do with that. Right. Yeah. Then we got to, we got to start by quit calling you a demon. Thank you. Doctor of ministry. Ministry. Okay. Yeah. We don't want any confusion, but you're right. Like the, the judgment, but there is a pride in that. And that's why it's so, but it's tricky pride. Cause you, I think most people say pride is like, Oh, he did some wonderful things and he's acknowledging it just as the world acknowledges it. And that's not how pride works. Pride works when we, well, let me put it this way. I figured this out pretty early on. Like, why am I kind of getting off the path? And it'd be this thing like a, like a little Malay type stuff. Like, ah, I'm not feeling it right now. What's wrong? It always occurred in some form of me getting caught up in the world and the worldly things. Me getting caught down here instead of looking above to the things like, and what does it mean to look above? Well, think about other people, not myself, for one thing. Service, you know, take care of myself, get over myself. Don't be, you know, expect, definitely expect to make mistakes because what's the alternative? I think I'm, you know, God-like material and I'm not gonna or something like that. Don't never be surprised on that kind of stuff. Rest, take care, just the spiritual life. But it's the world that pulls us away from that. And the fear of the judgment of other people, you know, I was reading first Corinthians. I'm going through that during Lent, like just doing a video uh, every day, because I think that's a really important book. Okay. Great book. And, and um, he's just so nonchalantly, Paul says, you know, I don't care what you guys think about me. I don't, why would I? And, and I don't even judge myself. I'm not even. So once we take the judgment out of that, then we can enjoy that now you're not ready to do that at four with some, you know, snotty little redhead kid <laughs> leaving you in his you're eating. He his wasn't dust. even mean about it. I don't remember him. Let's like make him mean for the yeah, but let's make it mean, him mean for the podcast. 
Um, so, so that whole comparing self to other and, and, and the whole idea that there's a question, it starts with the question of, am I good enough? Right. And do I want what they have instead of them? Can I have joined to that? Here's a big one, negative self concept, which is this, you have seen every stupid thing you've ever done. You felt the embarrassment, that shame. You've been front row seat of them all. Well, some people who don't know how to accept forgiveness or they're prideful and they assume that they, how could I do that sort of thing? You know, they don't have enough humility to say, oh, that was a bad moment. I'm going to do better. They'll start defining themselves by those things, mm -hmm. right? Those experiences will come to mind and they'll think that that's, that's who they are. Yeah. Yeah. Did. You know, there's nothing that in life, let alone in a Christian worldview or in God's understanding that says you are supposed to be like God. You are supposed to be strong all the time. And, you know, the fact that if I feel inadequate, that can be a really healthy place to be because I'm not trying to hold up this image of myself that will do nothing but put me in shackles as I don't measure mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. And and God who sees everything and loves us infinitely. Think of that. God knows me better than I know myself. And God's crazy about me. Yeah. I can find a lot of joy in that. I'm like, God, you are crazy, but I'll take it. Yeah, I got you it. You know, how could you love me, Lord? And yet you do. And when I fall down, you pick me up. And when I have a tantrum, you wait until I'm squirming, until I'm done squirming. So you can bend down, pick me up and hold me. And correct me sometimes when I need that. Yeah. And and we fear. We fear and live our life based on fear, based on not looking bad. And here's what we need to realize. We're inadequate. Mm -hmm. Scripturally, spiritually, we're inadequate. There is no shame in depending on God. And here's here's what I think I would love for somebody to take away from this. You know, a lot of people think about Jesus and they say, he sheds light on God and who God is and what God looks like. But here's the other thing that Jesus does. He sheds light and shows us what it means to be truly human. I mean, human in the way God intended. And God, when God created humans, he called them very good. The only thing in all creation said it created light and darkness. Good. He created the stars and the moons. Good. He created the animals and the plants and the sea, and he calls them all good. And then when it comes time and he creates humans, he calls them very good. Yes. Yes. He likes his people, <laughs> loves his people, right? More than anything. You, you said something that really, I think we should underscore, which is this. Oh boy. I wish I get back to it, but I had the thought of friendship with the world is enmity with God. Okay. Being judged by the world. I mean, he, he, he chooses the simple to shame the wise. Okay. I'm okay with not being a superstar in the world because it goes cross purposes to the spiritual life. Cause we're supposed to be humble. Mm. We're not supposed to like be eating up attention as if we're being worshiped, worshiped in some small way. We're supposed to show Christ like humility. Mm -hmm. and, and if someone, and if we do a good deed, maybe a good performance or something like that, that the joy is that somebody enjoyed it. Right. You know, we're doing these things and we're blessed to do the work, to do the kingdom work, not to, not to, not to hoard or be, you know, famous or something like that. You know, a good way to say that is who gets the credit when you, yeah. when you're good, when you're uh -huh. on, when you do something well, if you're like, you know, a sponge and soaking it all up yourself. But if there's a way that you can 
share it with the people who helped make it happen. If there's a way that you can point people to God, yes. if it weren't for God giving me the discipline, God giving me the ability, God giving me the talent, God giving me the time growing up to practice whatever mm -hmm. it is, you know, this platform that God's given me that other people poured into, you know, if who gets the credit is a really big deal in us enjoying ourselves. Mm -hmm. And interesting, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And then he says this, let your light shine before all people, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. So he's That's not saying hide yourself, be shameful, be humiliated. He's not saying don't make it about yourself at all. Light doesn't know it's light. Light right. shines. That, that that's right so we're not talking about self-deprecation we're talking about that freedom that you have without having to worry about what everybody on the planet or at least the important people think about you or are you gonna lose some sort of an opportunity in this world now you got the fear in there and you've got the judgment and uh you know you feel like you're separate because you've got a competitor or something like that that's a mess mm -hmm. um, i um got out of it through the faith but, you know, like, I really didn't like myself, but this is a, an important point that people have. We have to be honest, okay? Look at yourself like I looked at myself and say, look, are you doing things that cause you to dislike yourself? All right? Yeah, you are. You got some hatred in, in front of you. Your values are messed up a little bit because maybe you are chasing money too hard at the expense of other things like that. Do you hate some people? Are there people that you will never forgive? including yourself. So, you know, we are bad at times and we're trying to be good. Mm -hmm. uh, and we, but but I, I, I wouldn't want anyone to think that it's like, oh no, just radical self-acceptance. No, because you probably have some spiritual work to do and you'll start to like yourself more and more as you do that work. Right. Would you say from the patients that you see that their biggest problem is they are too easy on themselves or is it that they're too hard on themselves? Or is it a combination? If you want the the numbers, like the what I see most often is it's, they're really tough on themselves. They talk to themselves in ways that they would be appalled if they heard someone do it publicly. They overlook their uh, good qualities. Mm -hmm. now, now, look, there is a egocentrism to that too, because they're contemplating themselves too much. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't- about yourself. Yeah, man, don't take yourself that seriously. Like, do I really have the time to just take an inventory of how I'm good and bad? How much time am I going to waste on that? You know, it's that's what they call navel gazing, isn't it? But it's not their fault that that it happened because a lot of these people were abused and neglected. Mm -hmm. And the neglect is really bad because that says nothing says I don't love you any more than just your absence. Right. You know, you're in the room. I mean, some some people I know that they, they would leave for two days at a time and their parents wouldn't know where they were because they didn't care. Mm -hmm. Name calling and things like that do a lot of damage too. So yeah, so then these people are, are they grow up and then there's a, some serious doubts. Am I a good person or not? So then they'll be looking for evidence that they're not and they'll, you know, take that in and because it's confirmation bias, like, see, I got fired. Mm -hmm. You know, um, of course, I'm incompetent. Doesn't matter that the company folded. They still feel like, oh, no, I I got fired or something like that. I've seen things like that happen a lot, you know, or then they won't forgive themselves for the things that they did. We're not very good interpreters, are we? No, not really. When stuff goes on inside us, when stuff goes, you know, like the thoughts of me as a four-year-old with my big wheel. Mm -hmm. I was not, you know, you have the thought 
wow, this kid's way better than I am. But the interpretation is that's okay. He's really good at riding a big wheel Mm -hmm. as a four-year-old. But instead, I interpreted it to say, you don't measure up. There must have been a doubt somewhere. Yeah. That allowed that to happen. Yeah, a little ember that got blown on. and Yeah, and or, or that was it. whispered in your ear. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A, a new thought. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to tell you, there's no real money in big wheel racing. <laughs> so you really didn't miss out on that much. Oh, that's good. There, BMX, though, is another story. Yeah. Hey, as Christ followers, we know we are not God. And yet we fall into this trap of being embarrassed. So we try never to appear foolish or to say anything that could be construed as anti-intellectual or out of step with our culture. We fear human judgment, don't we? Yes, judgment of men. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. sin is sin against God. Yeah. And if someone doesn't want to forgive me, that's between him and God. Right. Not had nothing to do with me. I hope, I hope that everyone finds forgiveness and receives forgiveness for their sake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like you say, it's a gentle, I mean, it's a big battle, but when you get there, it is this gentleness. This letting go, this there's a peace that you find when you accept the limitations of your own humanity. Oh, yeah. And you end up being able to enjoy yourself. Yes, the pressure's gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's being like a child. That's how child, you know, children can be very egocentric at times, but when they're playful, everything's free and they make a mistake and they may keep doing it because it's funny, you know, let's break the whole thing. It's, you know, it's there's a little bit of that attitude. I think that we need to take mm-hmm. and with social media right now, Oh my gosh, you're just uh, the comparisons. And I wonder what's going to happen with that. It's doing enough damage now where it either has to be reformed radically or people are just losing interest. Cause I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not, if I didn't have projects that I want to communicate with people, I, I'm rarely on Facebook. It takes me, I don't know, 15 seconds to see something that changes my mood in a negative way what what is that matt like so like i saw it during 9 11 and i saw you know like early on with this pandemic all the best behaviors and care and love and generosities out there and it lasts for like i think like two weeks then here comes the devils (laughs) out in people and the judgment and the name calling the insults it just we don't seem to outside of the faith We don't seem to get along in the secular world for very long. Right. I don't know everything about where that comes from, but I know for me, when I'm building up ideas or basing ideas on anything but God, Mm -hmm. all the, like you said, the judgmentalism, the envy, the shaming, all comes into play. The putting attention on somebody else's negative behavior I don't know if I'm trying to protect getting it off or I feel righteous. I feel indignant, indignant about what's going on instead of lifting up God, instead of lifting up good yes. things that, that people are doing. I don't know what's in our nature. You can get a thousand compliments and one insult. You can get a thousand compliments and one insult. And which one do you remember most? The 999 compliments or the one insult? Yeah. Until you get to the spot where you know it's absurd for someone to say that, like you're a jerk. Now, when you know it's, it'd be like me saying you're a pineapple and you'd be like a pineapple was that? And then you'd look at me and you, it'd be nothing about you. But when you get confident enough and safe enough, let's maybe not confident, but when you feel safe enough in your worth because of who we are and how we became, 
then those they have no power like that's what paul was saying in corinthians like, like for him i can just imagine the way it was written he's like well, i don't care what i care what they think it's there was no malice in it. it's just like that's not important to me right right can, here's the other thing when you enjoy yourself enough and when you realize you're my identity is in god my identity mm-hmm. is in his love for me. Yes. And and my live instead of earning anything, I'm just trying to live the rest of my life out of gratitude there you for what go. God's already done for me. Even if he never does another thing for me, that's good enough for me. But here's the deal. Then when somebody says something to me, I'm not basing my worth on that or not. And they can say something to me and and I can discern. Because I'm coming out of a place of wholeness. I'm coming out of a place where I know I'm not God. They're not going to insult me. You know, I can say, huh, is there something to that? Or did they just have a bad burrito last night? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because yeah, I'm enjoying myself. I'm, I'm in a sweet spot with mm-hmm. where I am with God. Does that mean I'm satisfied with myself? I'm pleasantly dissatisfied. There's things mm-hmm. I want to fix. There's things I want to sure. do better at. Sure. But I'm, I've lost any kind of worth that's associated with that because my confidence is so much in God. So when you say something to me and it might hurt my feelings a little bit, I need to say, wow, am I acting that way? You've, you've offered ideas to help me and they come across as corrections. Are you doing too much? Do you fill up all your free time too much? Are you resting enough? Mm-hmm. You asked me how much media are you watching? And those were Great corrections, because I can take them out of love. I can hear them as I'm enjoying myself, even when I'm not enjoying myself or I'm struggling with some anxiety or whatever it was. And you said, how much news are you watching? Some people could jump all over you for saying that. Mm -hmm. But because I'm enjoying myself and was not at peace in that moment when I was confessing that to you, I was able to receive that loud and clear, and it was a great help in my life. Yeah, it helps to know that the person asking the question truly has your best interest at heart. So I, I'm not interested in arguing politics. I hate it. Somebody want to argue politics, you know, that, then somebody will come after you because they're like, oh, you're trying to take an angle, score a point on me, are you? Right. Yeah, one thing I'll say, the last thing I'd like to say is this. People fear judgment of other people doesn't matter usually, but they, they, they do, they do. You know, I would say this, ask yourself, if you do encounter a judgmental person, sour, hard-hearted and whatever, you're just on that path that you just got cross paths with them. They're doing that all the time. Don't take it personally and ask yourself, how many judgmental people do I want in my life? Cause they're man, they drain the heck out of you. And then what we do is we pray that they'll, their heart will be softened because whatever got them to that place was probably some things that were on our list earlier. Mm-hmm. So we can still keep our peace and, and, and have compassion, not subject ourselves to more judgment and not let the judgment bother us. Right. You know, because that's, that's, a, that's a sin against God to judge another human being. That's God's job. That's exactly it. I would just say this, make sure you know where your boundaries are, the anger or the judgment that's in them. You do not have to let that into your heart. And it goes back to that C.S. Lewis illustration when he, that he uses in the great divorce of this woman talking to her husband, who's trying to get, he's trying to use pity as a weapon against her, that she would pity him and feel sorry for him and kowtow to him. Ada male. 
(laughs) (laughs) And he is saying to, he's saying all this to her and she is in heaven. And so she's at perfect peace and she Uh is enjoying herself. Uh And and she was kind of a nobody in life, but she cared for everybody that she met. And it make kind of makes her a celebrated person in heaven. But what she, what she says to her husband, whose name is Frank, Frank, I'm in love. I'm in love and out of love, I will not go. And you can't use pity against me to get me out of love. You can't use whatever manipulation you want because I'm, I am in love. I'm in peace and out of peace. I will not go. I'm in joy. Yeah. She's committed to it. Now I'm committed to this and out of joy. I will not go. And, and all of those negative things, they are not as strong as the positive love and the health and the wholeness and the healing and the joy that God wants to bring into our lives and that God has brought into our lives. If we would simply be open enough yeah. to receive it. Yeah. Listen, unless you have a final comment, why don't we pray? Let's pray. Okay. I'm going to invite anybody who's listening, who's not driving a car or something right now, simply to pray with their palms up and their hands open. Mm-hmm. Lord, we come to you in prayer and we come to you with open hands Because there's some things that we need to receive from you, like joy, like perfect love, like the peace that you offer, like the reminder that that we don't have to be God. You've already got it covered, that we don't have to be strong. Lord, you gloried in weakness, even as you sent your son, Jesus, as a weak, helpless baby into the world that we remember every Christmas. Lord, that that was your plan of salvation for the world just blows my mind. And they were singing with joy over that. And so we open our hands to receive that from you. Lord, it doesn't just bubble up from within ourselves, but it comes directly from you. God, we also have our hands open because there's something that we've been closed fisted and tense about. And we pray, God, that you would help us to release that to you. We confess that to you. We confess the lies that we have poured into, that we have believed, that we have digested, that we have internalized. Whether it's I'm not good enough, or I've never had a fair break, or whatever the lie is, or I I don't deserve to have joy, or I should be so much further along than I am right now. Lord, those are lies. They are not from you. That voice that is speaking those to us, that is not your voice. And God, if it's not your voice, we don't want to mess with it. It's coming from someplace else, the pits of hell. And and so we are done with those other voices. The voices that say, no, you don't have a right to enjoy yourself, enjoy who God made you. Lord, we try to pile on who you made us. And and I I ask God that you would help us not do that, but that we would simply receive the weaknesses that you've given us, the strengths you've given us, the senses of humor that you've given us, the insights, the experiences, God, because you've redeemed all those by your son, Jesus. And so we just praise you right now. We confess before you, we need you desperately. And we also confess the truth that your grace is sufficient for us. And thank you, Jesus, that, that it says in the Bible, in Hebrews, that it was for the joy set before you, that you endured the cross and you scorned its shame, and that you have now been raised from the dead and are with God in the right hand of power. And that's who we are in you. And so I just thank you so much for a chance to begin to 
scratch the surface of this amazing topic. And I pray, God, for everybody with us, Lord, that that you would help us to enjoy ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you like what you're hearing, join us at Patreon. You can talk to us personally there, get cool merchandise and exclusive video content and more. Just go to patreon.com and search for the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can get involved for as little as $1 a month. Thanks for listening to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can check out the show notes from this episode, get free resources, discover more about our work, and all the ways to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the show. Head over to drmartinfletcher.com.